standing and turn in your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 5. We continue our study through the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes. We come now to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. May God add his richest blessing to the reading of this portion of his holy word. Let us pray. Again, our Father, we're thankful for your word, and we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would come and speak to us, that we would hear the voice of our good shepherd, our Lord Jesus Christ, and that he would know us, and we would know him, and we would follow him, and offer our hearts to him properly and sincerely, in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. Blessed persecution. We like to sing blessed assurance. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Now that makes sense. To have assurance. To be sure that you belong to Jesus and will be with him forever. That's blessedness. But persecution, how can that be blessed? The previous beatitude was, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. So we are called to make peace, to be at peace with everyone as far as it depends on us. But it does not end there. Jesus has one more for us. Blessed are the persecuted. While we are busy making peace, the world is busy attacking us. Jesus is telling us that to belong to him is to be at odds with the world around us. To manifest the characteristics he has listed in the Beatitudes. Poor in spirit, mourning for sin, meekness, hunger and thirst for righteousness, mercy, pure in heart, and peacemaking. To manifest these characteristics is to invite the world's ire and hostility. But, Jesus says, the persecuted are blessed. Now let me say before we get into this that this beatitude Jesus restates and expands it in the following passage. And we will get to the expansion of it next time, Lord willing. But for now, we'll look at what Jesus says 
in Matthew 5.10. Let's get to it. First, in this beatitude, we see the reality of persecution. The reality of persecution. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. It has been pointed out that this beatitude parallels all the rest of them. All the other beatitudes are absolute. To be poor in spirit is not optional. To repent is not optional. To hunger and thirst for righteousness or be merciful or be meek, humble ourselves, these are not options. They are absolute requirements, and so on. In other words, persecution is as much a reality of belonging to Jesus as anything else. Listen to Psalm 120. It's a short psalm. You don't have to turn it up. Just listen. In my distress... I cried to the Lord, and he heard me. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, or what shall be done to you, you false tongue? Sharp arrows of the warrior with coals of the broom tree or juniper. Woe is me that I dwell in Meshach, that I dwell among the tents of Keter. My soul has dwelt too long with one who hates peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. This is the cry of one who loves God, but has lived among the enemies of God. He says again, my soul has dwelt too long with one who hates peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they're for war. If we belong to Jesus, we are peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. We are for peace. But peace begins with peace with God. And the world is at war with God. So we are for peace. But when we speak, they are for war. The world's hostility to God is simply a brute fact. If you lived in Berlin in 1942 and openly supported the Jews, you would not have been long for this world. Because everyone around you hated whom you loved. Listen to 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 17. Do not love the world or the things of the world, in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. When Jesus says, blessed are the persecuted, he's not being sensational. He's not going for shock value. He's simply being honest. Jesus is not a salesman who exaggerates the benefits of the product he's trying to sell and downplays or hides any unpleasantness it may bring. He's telling us very plainly that if we come to him, if we trust him, if we receive him, and if we follow him, we will automatically be at odds with the system around us. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. be at odds with it. We all live in what Psalm 120 calls Meshach and Kedar. The point of it is not the geographical locations of Meshach and Kedar, but their character. They're full of people who hate God. And the whole world is Meshach and Kedar. Even the United States. Even South Carolina. There is no utopia on this earth where everyone and everything is completely at peace with God. And therefore, in this world... If we follow Jesus, persecution is a reality. We see the reality of persecution. Secondly, in this passage, we see the reason for persecution. Look at it again. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Now, again, this isn't any original insight here. About all the commentaries point this out. But it says, blessed are those who are persecuted for a specific reason. Righteousness sake. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Toward the, toward the end of the New Testament, end of the Bible. Go all the way to Revelation, back up through a few of those little books. You get to 1 Peter chapter 2. And look at verse 18. 1 Peter 2, 18. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, 
but also to the harsh. For this is commendable if because of conscience toward God one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. But for what credit is it if when you're beaten for your faults you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. See, he asked, what credit is it to us to suffer for what we did wrong? If it's our fault. None. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. We can be punished, even persecuted, for doing wrong. We can be shunned, even despised, simply because we have an obnoxious manner. This is not the persecution that Jesus says is blessed. There in 1 Peter 2, look look at verse 21. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Jesus did not suffer Because he was obnoxious. In fact, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten retaliation. But he trusted his father to deliver him. Exactly six years ago, down to the week, a man by the name of Tim Farron, a British member of parliament, who was at this time his party, at that time his party's leader, resigned from party leadership because, as a Christian, he could not support his party's policy on certain social issues. Although he was, in my opinion, which is worth nothing, far too accommodating of the social agenda, his opponents were never satisfied. It wasn't enough that he even supported the right, the legal right, of same-sex marriages. They would not be satisfied until he said that he personally approved of it, which he could not and did not do because he is a Christian. So finally, he realized he had to make a choice. And he resigned from his distinguished position of party leadership. 
I want to read you some things he said when he announced his resignation. From the very first day of my leadership, I have faced questions about my Christian faith. I've tried to answer with grace and patience. Sometimes my answers could have been wiser. At the start of this election, I found myself under scrutiny again, asked about matters to do with my faith. I felt guilty that this focus was distracting attention from our campaign, obscuring our message. Journalists have every right to ask what they see fit. The consequences of the focus on my faith is that I have found myself torn between living as a faithful Christian and serving as a political leader. You hear that? He found himself torn. Will I be a political leader or a faithful Christian? He chose to be a faithful Christian. Resigned his post. And he concluded his statement with these words. I want to say one more thing. I joined our party when I was 16. It is in my blood. I love our history, our people. I thoroughly love my party. Imagine how proud I am to lead this party. And then imagine what would lead me to voluntarily relinquish that honor. In the words of Isaac Watts, it would have to be something so amazing, so divine, it demands my heart, my life, my all. That's a man who does not have an obnoxious bone in his body. But he believes the Bible. And he loves Jesus. Now we said earlier that this beatitude parallels the rest. But there is one way in which this beatitude is unique. This is the only beatitude that is in the passive voice. Poor in spirit is something that we are or are to be. Mourning is something we do. Meek is something we are to be. Hungering and thirsting for righteousness is something that we do. Being merciful is something that we are and do. Pure in heart is something that we are. Making peace is something that we do. These are all active But Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted. That's what they call the passive voice. 
It's not something we are active in. It's something that happens to us. We're passive in it. In fact, the same Jesus who said, blessed are those who are persecuted, also said in Matthew 10, 23, when they persecute you in this city, flee to another. We're not to go looking for persecution, to develop a persecution complex. We are to be passive in persecution. We are to love Jesus, be merciful, make peace. We don't need to go looking for persecution. It will find us. It will come to us in some form if we are committed to righteousness. Righteousness' sake. That's the legitimate reason for persecution. So we see the reality of persecution. We see the reason for persecution. And thirdly and finally, in this beatitude, we see the reward of persecution. The reward of persecution. One last time, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, the blessing here is the same as the first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Like bookends, theirs is the kingdom of heaven on the front and at the back. They show us that these beatitudes are one unit. They all go together. They hang together. And they're all to be true of all of us. Blessed are the persecuted for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The world may hate you, but God loves you. The world may want to kill you, but Jesus died for you. The world may want to take everything from you, but we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken and an inheritance incorruptible reserved in heaven which fadeth not away. This beatitude makes it crystal clear that we are not at home in this world. We will not be home till we get to heaven. In Christ, we're already citizens of heaven, but we're not there yet. You know the old preacher's story of the missionary, Dr. Morrison. who now was an old man, had been a missionary in various parts of the world for over 40 years. And now, 
in his later years, he came home to America. He had been in Africa. He came home on a ship. It so happened that Teddy Roosevelt was on the same ship. He'd been to Africa hunting big game. When the ship docked in New York Harbor, there was a large crowd gathered to welcome Mr. Roosevelt. The band played Hail to the Chief. And Mr. Roosevelt disembarked to the head of a ticker tape parade. But there was not one soul there to welcome Dr. Morrison. He picked up his heavy bags, walked all alone to the train station. train took him home. And again, when he got off the train, there was no one there to greet him. And as he gathered up his bags to walk home all alone, he said within himself, Lord, I've spent my life preaching the gospel to the glory of your son. I was nearly eaten by cannibals in Barneo. Captured in Africa. Teddy Roosevelt went to Africa to hunt lions. He got a parade. I suffered in Africa to preach the gospel. Now I'm home. There's no one here to greet me. And just then, as he carried his heavy bags, he almost heard a little voice in the breeze that said, you're not home yet. Bishop Ryle said the children of this world may hate us as they hated our master. For our religion stands as a witness against them. But the last day will show that we chose wisely, lost nothing, and gained a crown of glory which fadeth not away. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.